Hey, John, during the podcast, can you please pay attention to Weldon? I think he's lost it. We had a signature birthday over the weekend, but I think he's got early Alzheimer's. Put a big discount, one day sale only for new supporters club members, 50% off. I don't know why he picked the number 50. It should have been 30%, but some people in our family, particularly the males, lose their brains early. That's right, people. I don't want to let Weldon know he's gone senile. 24 hours only. You can join the Supporters Club for 50% off your first year. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Enter the code GOAT50. GOAT50. Do it today. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. Diamond League is done until Worlds and we had two incredible meets last week in Monaco and London. Faith Kip Yegon broke the mile world record bringing her tally to 3 for 2023. Nikki Hilton and Alicia Monson both broke American records. Yared Nagus earned a historic Diamond League victory in London and Femke Ball Carson Wolfholm continued to impress while Sydney McLaughlin, Lebroni, and Shakari Richardson were DNSs over the weekend. We'll break down the highlights of both meets and take a quick look ahead to Worlds, which begin on August 19th in Monaco, uh, not Monaco, Budapest. Plus, the Chicago Marathon Fields just announced right before we started recording. We'll get our instant reactions. Kelvin Kiptum leads the way for the men. Could we see a world record? in Chicago in October. On the women's side, we already knew about Safan Hassan, but we've got a women's Olympic trials preview. Molly Seidel, Alephine Tulliamuk, Emma Bates, Emily Sisson. That race should be fantastic. Plus Connor Mance and the return of Dylan Brock on the men's side. So a lot to break down. Should be some great races this fall. This is Jonathan Gold. I am joined by my co-hosts, co-founders of Let's Run.com, Robert and Weldon Johnson. Guys, we're recording this one day after the big day, but a belated happy Founders Day to each of you. Apparently, if you guys are turning 30 this year, that means I'm actually older than you. So that's breaking news, according to Robert. I hope you guys had a great day. I just wanted to pay my respects. I, I love this website. I've been working for it for a while. I've enjoyed working under you guys feel like you know not going to be handing out praise or slapping you guys on the back every day but i think you should be proud of what you put together and it's been a pleasure being part of this journey with you guys so hope you guys had a good founders day on monday we had a great celebration we actually celebrated on saturday weldon's wife Catherine, threw him a wonderful party it allowed me to be fed at it as well i do realize you know, they've always said we've always announced us as identical twins, but clearly we're not identical, John. I was nowhere near as fast as Weldon. And now I realize I was just born on the same day for, as him. Yeah, I'm, I'm the younger brother. There's no d- debate about that. So I didn't realize I was 20 years younger, but that would explain why I still have the good hot takes and he's a grumpy old man sometimes. Got to meet my new. 
Mies. Yes. Is that the word? Yes. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Alzheimer's, maybe Weldon's not the only one. Weldon, do you have a good celebration? Great weekend, John. Rojo was here. My parents were here. And then on Sunday, I guess I wasn't a 50-year-old man, but I went for my first training run kind of after this purse both birthday celebration with running with the author's Running with the Buffalo's author, Chris Lear. He's all in on the John Kellogg training, taking it to the next level. Maybe there'll be a comeback for Chris, comeback for me. But you know, to be honest, I was like, I hope to God no one from Let's Run sees us running at this pace. Chris is like, we have to go slower. He's like, well, then you're known for running slower. Trust me on this. And it reminded me of when I saw Matthew Sintowitz Sr. I was just out of college and I saw this out-of-shape guy hobbling around the Georgetown track, and I, I was like, who the hell is that guy? And they're like, that's the former American record holder at 5,000 meters. So, I would never was an American record holder at 5,000 meters, so I must look even worse these days. But Was Robert on this run? Be di- Future sub-three marathoner yes. Robert Johnson? Yes. People want to see it. It's going to happen. Um, and I also I had another thought this weekend. Intern Alex is here. We could be probably older than his parents. I mean, it's a possibility. There was one negative to the weekend. Those of you that can see that behind me, the wonderful shoes that I was sent with my name, Rojo, 259.59 on them. They're amazing shoes. My wife loves them. She, by the way, whoever sent them to me, I don't know who it is. It was a secret Santa. My wife wants a pair. If you email me, I'll pay for them. She wants her name. I think we should call her M. Joe. But they were white, and I haven't barely run in them, but. My son likes to jump in puddles, so they got a little dirty. I tried to wear them to the party. There was like a party at a restaurant, and Weldon refused to let me wear them. He's like, those shoes are too dirty. Don't, don't wear them. It was like Weldon's taken over the role of my mother. Like, I thought at this age, nobody would tell you what to wear. So I tried to wear them. Thought this these these mean a lot to me. I have fans that believe in me, but I wasn't allowed to. But whoever sent those, again, thank you so much. Okay, so let's talk about some track. Big meet on Sunday in London. We didn't do a live podcast or anything because we did one for Monaco and you guys were celebrating. I said off the USA, so I was like, anyone who is listening to the Let's Run podcast has probably seen Yara de Goose win the 1500 at USA's. They probably watched that race. I did get some emails. There were at least three listeners who didn't see that race. But I'm guessing there were probably more than that who missed this one because it was Sunday morning in the summer. You might be on vacation. You might be celebrating a big birthday. Plenty of other things people are doing than watching track on a Sunday morning. But I was watching it. Intern Alex was watching it. It was great. I mean, Yara Neguse, I think Robert had some doubts about without Jakob Ingebrigtsen, would he be able to take control and win this thing? He did. And I thought it was a masterful race by Neguse. Stuart McSwain of Australia opened up a gap. It was as big as nine meters. Nagoose, when he noticed it was maybe getting a little too big, he went to the front of that chase pack. He made sure it didn't go too big. Navinordis passed him on the bell lap, right with 400 to go. Nagoose, great position, stalked him the whole way, and then made his winning move midway down the home straight. Played it perfectly, gets the win, 330.44. The first American man to win a Diamond League 
1500 or mile since Leo Manzano in 2011. Just the second overall. Those are the only guys who have ever done it. Perfect way for him to go into the world championships in Budapest. I was really impressed by this run. What do you guys make of it? Big picture? When I'm nitpicking this run, it shows how damn well Yara Nagus is running. If he didn't win, I was going to be very disappointed. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, wow, he barely beat Narv Nordas. Like that guy said, I thought he was a 10K run. I never heard of this guy this year. I'm like, oh, wow, Neil Gorley closed faster than him. I mean, this is something Matthew Centrowitz never did. Leo Manzano, like, it's crazy. So he's running so well. He's number two in the world, I think, clearly right now at 1,500 meters. Yeah, there's stuff you could sort of say, oh, man, at Worlds, he could be vulnerable. Yeah, vulnerable to not get a medal. I mean, he's starting from such a damn high standard right now. He could easily walk away with a gold medal. I shouldn't say easily, but I mean, like, there's something wrong with me when I sort of focus on the negative. He did the salute. I like that. I've always liked that. It's, oh, I didn't think about that. Maybe he was influenced by Paul Chalimo. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do, right? Is Paul Chalimo the last American male to win a Diamond League? I think so in terms of distance runners. I mean, if you're not... Brazier won a couple in 2019, if you're counting mid-D. But yeah, I think Chalimo won also in London. It's interesting. London's like a big hotspot for Americans. Manzano won his Diamond League in London. Centra won in London in 2018, though it wasn't a Diamond League points event. But to me, the other impressive thing about Nagus is like he just shows up. We're expecting this level. This wasn't like some big shock. This wasn't like, wow, he had to run the race of his life. He goes to a Diamond League. He runs 330, which is a time very few, Amer- like five Americans have ever run that fast, essentially. And for Nagus, it's just like, yeah, this is the level he's been at all year. I'm not surprised. But we don't see this happen. Centro in 2015 was second in a couple Diamond Leagues. Obviously, in the championships, he was one of the best runners of his generation. But to consistently perform at this level in Diamond League events, we haven't seen this from an American athlete. Like I put this stat together. Centro's best finish in Diamond Leagues in his career was second, second, and third. Those were his three best ever. Yard Nagus has run three Diamond Leagues in his entire life. First, second, and third. It's crazy. That's a great stat. But I'm known for my contrarian takes. I mean, I was the leader of the Yared Nagus bandwagon years ago. And for some reason, I'd sour on him. I said earlier in the year, I said he would never lose to his teammates. Then I'm like, oh, Garcia Roma's going to beat him soon. I thought he was going to lose this race for some reason. I thought he was past his peak. I guess when, when I saw Joe Wascom get ahead of him at USA's, it made me nervous. Look, he he was very good in this race, John. It wasn't like masterful like you told it to me. I mean, it was a fast race. He had a perfect trip. He was up near the front the whole time. And if we're going to be concerned about things, I'll I'll say the few things. He barely beat Norv Nordas. I mean, Norv Nordas, the guy, let's run podcast listener. I should be rooting for him. By the way, I'm watching a replay right now. I love it when he bumps Dewey McSwain by mistake there. Almost won a Diamond League. Now, do you think Nagus was just knew he had it in the bag? I mean, this is a crazy race. I'm looking right now, the last 200 meters, like the entire field is there with 200 meters to go. The entire field is there. I thought Chariot might get Nagus with 100 to go, and Chariot ends up 
He's third right here, coming off the 100 meters to go, and he ends up, what, eighth place? I told you guys he's cooked, man. Well, the reason I would call this masterful, Robert, is this could be what we see at Worlds. Like, maybe, okay, is it possible that the field just lets Jakob get this big lead if he tries to run, like, 328 pace in the final? I think that's possible. I think there's probably going to be one or two people who just try to stick with, stick and go with him. John, I was wondering that. When this race ended, my main thought was, okay, I'm the one worried about Jakob in the 1500. No, I think he's going to win it. Like he's better. These guys struggle to run 3:30. You know that's a really good performance for him. Jakob can run that in his sleep. Now, admittedly, he's had rabbiting help, but I, I think he's going to run. I mean, well, we saw it last year. He ran 3:29 from the front low and got beat because someone did. I, I think, it, but I was wondering the same thing. Maybe they just let him go, and then everybody else is battling it out for second. But I think Kachir would go with him. I think people um, go with them in Budapest. I think so. Well, if you're smart, you might want to sit back. I mean, it just depends. Like that's the thing that makes the 1500 so wonderful is some, you know, there's a lot of guys, basically the entire, anyone in the final has a chance of meddling when we get there, because I mean, this race, there was only difference between first place and 14th place was less than two seconds. So there's going to be a lot of guys that want to be in like at least fifth or sixth. There's not enough space for them, but you don't want to be making energy. So is everyone going to try to get up in second and third, the first hundred, or if it's super fast, that may help things. People just sort of get in line and then hope that, um, you know, have a smooth trip because if if you're making micro moves, you're wasting a lot of energy. So my first thing was, what does this mean for worlds in terms of, I think Jakob's going to win. But again, let me be Debbie Downer here, John. We're talking about Manzano's win in London, 2011. How did Manzano do? Well, first of all, do you know who was in that race, John? In London, 2011? The runner-up was Bernard Lagarde. Americans went 1-2. I don't know who else was in the race. Well, just none of the medalists from the 2011 Worlds. It was Lagarde Kipra. didn't medal in the 15 that year? Lagat went for the 5,000 only that year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Centroid medal. Yeah, that's right. Kiprop, Silas Kipagat, and a man by the name of Matthew Centroids were the medalists. No one that Manzano beat medaled. And wait, I'm looking down the results here. 2011 World's Final on Wikipedia. I don't see the name Leo Manzano even in it. Wait a second. So we're supposed to penalize Nagoose because the last time an American won a Diamond League 1500 12 years ago, he didn't end up making the final? I'm sorry, I don't buy that logic. Just saying anything's possible. No. But what's amazed me about Nagoose is the consistency all year. He's been amazing. He's been on top of his game. There's been really no subpar races. Everything's been near like the super high performance. It was good. But Neil Gorley was the best guy in the last lap by a significant margin. Ran a half second faster than the Goose. Ran a lot more ground on the last lap. Last year, World Athletics was was publishing these things where it showed you how many meters everybody ran. I can't find that for this race. I don't know if they've stopped doing it this year or not. No, they did it for Monaco, I think, or they did it for... They've done it for some races this year, but not all of them. I did like that stat. But Robbie, I need to get my pen and paper and do a diagram of this race, go back and look at it and see how Gorley's doing. 
Yeah. But no, it was a good win. He's clearly doing well. He's by far our best medalist hope over 800 meters. So that's one thing we can talk about later on the show. I mean, I, th- I think the women in the 800, obviously, without thinking about we're going to at least rack up one medal. After that, Nagus is clearly the second best medal hope for us as Americans, mid-distance or distance, you know, over 800 meters. I don't know who else could even conceivably medal. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, Robert, I wanted to address something that you guys were discussing here. You're saying, oh, Nagus, you weren't that impressed but t- tactically. Like, to me, I thought he played this thing basically perfect tactically. You're like, oh, we got an easy ride along in second place or third place. Well, that, that's the point. That's what getting you into a good position and defending it, that's what earns you that easy ride. Like, there's a reason why he beat Neil Gawley. It's Neil Gawley was running faster at the end, but he wasn't positioned in the same way. And Neil Gawley admitted he made some mistakes. So to me, that's absolutely crucial is getting, if you're in a world championship final, getting into a good position behind y- Jakob, if he's leading it out, that could be the difference between meddling and not meddling. Like, why was Whiteman was poised to strike when he made his move? If he's further back, he's not going to be able to run everyone down from 10th place of the bell. So I was impressed by that. And I guess this comes back to one of our classic debates on this show. You don't think positioning and tactics really matters that much in the 1500. And I do. And I think that cost Neil Gawley the win because he was coming from further back. He had to run extra distance on the last lap. If he's up where Nagus is, he wins that. Why do you think I don't think tactics are important? Because you tell me that all the time. You're like, oh, this is your overrated positioning tactics. You, well, am I crazy here? This seems to be, I feel like this is one of Robert's arguments. I think Rojo's all about the tactics, John. He's made videos highlighting the tactics of the 1500. But I do feel like sometimes he tries to downplay them. So how can you be Mr. Tactics, Robert, and Mr. Non-Tactics? Because when I was thinking this race, I'm like, oh, Robert should make one of his tactical videos. But at times, John, he tries to play it both ways. Okay, I've watched the video a couple of times as we've been recording again. One other thing that should make Jakob feel good is Nagus was kind of out front a lot of the time leading the chase pack. So he had nowhere. I mean, he had a hit a guy to just key off of, but he was breaking the wind for the field and he still beat all these other guys. So that should also feel good for Nagus fans. Like he was serving as the rabbit for the chase pack and still beat them. But no, I, look, my, my thing on tactics is I used to always tell my guys at Cornell and I thought that they were smart. I was like, look, it always opens up. Now, with 13 guys that have the same ability, maybe that's a little bit different, but at the college level, particularly in the 800, I'm always like, you rarely see someone get boxed that they can't do it. The key is not to panic and make a lot of moves. You, you, again, m- number one mantra, 800, you got one move. 1500, you might have two, but if you're ever in the back of the field and you try to move to the front, you keep going till you get to the goddamn front. Do not move up from 10th to 3rd and then run the turn and get scared that you're in the turn and, and then go back to eighth in the rail. Just keep going until you get up there where you want to be. And actually Nordes did that good job of that. He was way back early. One thing that about the, about the positioning though, that's interesting is, you know, everybody would like to be up in third or fourth with a clear trip, I think, but some of these guys may not want to go out that hard, you know? I mean, clearly, a lot of these guys, it's just a little bit more comfortable to go out a little bit slower and work your way into the race. 
Yeah, one of my things looking at this result, it, it did make me think of Worlds, like, will people, how many people will run for gold versus just running for a medal? Because I do think if some people try to stick with Jakob, there might be others who hang back and like, I'll run down one of the people who can't hang on, but you probably won't get gold that way because it's either going to be Jakob or someone who's with him the whole time winning that race. But the other thing, it's just the times are so much faster these days than they have been in previous years. Andrew Koskarin of Ireland ran 3.32 in this race and got 14th place. That 14th place in 3.32. When have we ever seen that before? It's crazy. Great Britain had three guys under 3.32 in that race, which is the same number of Americans who have broken 3.32 since the start of 2015. They had it in one race. Neil Gawley, Elliot Giles, and Matthew Stonia. So that's when I look at the world championships, I think the gap between Jakob and Yari Degus, who I'd say is the number two guy. You could make a case for Katia, who was second in Oslo. I think that gap is much larger than the gap is from two to maybe like five or six. I just think there's a bunch of guys who, you know, Nagus, I would probably give the best chance of meddling outside of Ingebrigtsen, but there's a lot of guys in that mix who, if they time it right, could get there. And I'm curious what you guys made of Cole Hawker's run. There was another American in this race. He runs 332.14. It's 0.74 off his PB from the Olympic final. It's the second fastest time of his career. That's the good news. The bad news is he was 13th place in this race. So do you guys think this is progress? He ran faster than he has for two years? Or he's only 13th? What's the takeaway for you guys on Cole Hawker? My takeaway is step in the right direction. This thing's wide open. Try to make the final, see what happens. My concerns for Cole Hawker are, I think his tactics now, they're not going to work too well in this era. You don't, don't want to be wasting a lot of energy, distance. There's a lot of guys who are pretty equal. If you're, if you're losing a lot of ground tactically, it's going to be hard. But like having said that, Cole Hawker, do I think Cole Hawker is as good as Neil Gorley? Yes. And Neil Gorley, my God, he looked good. But what did he do? He was too far back at the bell. Ran one lane two most of the way around. I mean, when I watched Neil Gorley's final lap, I'm like, holy crap, this guy, could he like sneak on at Worlds and win it? Plus, I see him. I was looking at his Instagram. He's got a shirt, Flagstaff versus everybody. We all know Flagstaff is superior planning Training place, right? Sorry, OAC. She moved to Flagstaff. Anyway, but we need to ask Ben Thomas who he thinks the more talented athlete is. He coached both of those guys in college. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Neil Gawley medaled. I mean, he ran great. He still, he, this was an impressive performance by him in London. He was silver behind Jakob at Euro Indoors. He's been running what he won the British title. Granted, some of the heavy hitters won in that race, but he's. He's been terrific all year. A medal by Neil Goley would not shock me at all. That guy's really good. Yes, but do you want to know what Neil Gorley was in Oslo? Oh, yeah. He was a lot further back. Tenth, like tenth place. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he still ran 330.88. So it just shows, like, 
you have it right on the day, you're going to be in the middle mix if you're in the final. Since you make the final, you put it together that day in the final, I think pretty much probably any of the finalists can walk away with a medal. Right. Rojo, Cole Hawker, good, good sign for him, you think? No. What struck me after USA's is he, I liked how he said, you know, my goal isn't to make the team, it's to win USA's. He thinks big. He wants to win Worlds. But he needs to run for the bronze at best. I, I just think if you miss too much time, look, these things are turning into time trials. He missed a significant amount of time. Why would his fitness be at an all-time peak this year? There's a reason why you train. And he's got a good kick, but like I don't think he should try to run. I think he should just sit in the back and just sit on the rail and waste no energy and then see what he's got the last lap. Gorley's tactics weren't terrible. He was kind of fifth or sixth at the bell. He just had to go, you know, he had to run an extra turn on the outside. But that's kind of standard for getting a free ride and getting, you know, your wind blocked for you for the first three. Yeah, Rojo, I agree with you on Cole Hawker. I think I picked him to medal at the start of the year. I think if he had a full year, you know, if he didn't, he didn't race until June apart from that one indoor 3K. So if he'd had full training for the first five months of the year, he might be in 330 shape right now, and it's a whole different conversation. But I think you're probably right. If he makes the final, he's probably not going to be strong enough to win gold. But maybe he could kick someone down for a medal. So I just hope he stays healthy until Paris next year because the guy's a humongous talent, and... Him versus a full-strength Nagus, I think it'll be a great... We saw it in NCAAs in 2021. It was fantastic. And Hawker, in that race, at final, at the final of the Olympic trials, Hawker was much better than Nagus. Now, Nagus is now not in school anymore. He's in altitude training. He's clearly made a leap. But that could be a great American rivalry if Hawker can stay healthy the next few years. What struck me about this race was, what about Wascombe? I mean, he was ahead of Nagus with 100 meters to go, right, at USA's? Right, and he beat Adam Spencer at NCAAs, and Adam Spencer of Wisconsin, a late addition, gets in, runs the race of his life, 331, five-second PB. Congrats to Spencer. He's only 21, still got NCAA eligibility. I mean, this was a hell of a run from him. Of course, Waskin was .42 behind Nagus, I think, at USA's. Put point four behind this race, you end up fourth. God, I'd love to kind of see a, a tactical fifteen hundred at Worlds. Take take about. See what happens. Anyways, enough fifteen hundred meter talk. Wait, I thought Robert was saying Waskin was in this race, and I was like, "Holy crap! How did I not know Joe Waskin was in this race?" Because occasionally now it's so deep these races, there'll be a guy who's pretty good, and you're like, "Oh my god, I didn't even see him." But he didn't run the race. Okay. The other big news from Sunday's Diamond League was the women's 5,000. First of all, it was just a fantastic race. I mean, there's so much talent in this event. I was watching it. We didn't do a meet preview or anything, so I wasn't really sure who was in all the fields. And I'm looking at the start line. They're like, Gudolf Sagai, world champion. Safan Hassan, Olympic champion. Beatrice Chibet, the world cross-country champion. I was like, this is amazing. It's all those women, then you add in Faith Kipiego on at Worlds, it's going to be fantastic. So they're all battling it out, but who's right there with them? Bravely trying to hang on for most of the race. Alicia Monson of the United States, 
Now, she did get dusted on the last lap, which is no shame, because she broke the American record by four seconds, 1419.45, erasing Shelby Houlihan's 1423 set during the COVID summer of 2020. Great run by her. Gudov Sagai ends up getting the win, 1412.29. It's funny because in this race, Sagai is usually the one trying to drop people in the 1500 because she's not known for having a big 1500 kick. But in the 5K, it's a different story. Hassan, who was coming back from the London Marathon in April, she was the one trying to drop everyone in this. Maybe not quite as confident in her kick. Usually, 351-1500 performer, Olympic medalist in that event, she would be the one sitting on people. But no, this time Hassan tried to make the move. She couldn't shake Sagai. She couldn't shake Beatrice Chibet either. Now, Chibet, I think, misplayed this one a little bit tactically. She let this gap open up to Sagai. I think Sagai was better, but I mean, Beatrice Chibet is damn good. And if she had responded to Sagai's move a little quicker, it could have been interesting on the home straight. So they go one, two, three. First race in history, five women under 1420. We had a world under 20 record by Medina Issa of Ethiopia, 1416 in fourth place. All sorts of crazy times here. I, I But I saw this one, I was like, immediately, I want to see this rematch of the Worlds with Faith Kip Yegon. That's going to be one of the races of the championships, I think. And yeah, the American record for Monson, her third of the year after right breaking the 3K and the 10K earlier this season, just to Extraordinary season for Monson. Yeah, when I saw fourteen nineteen next to Monson's name, I'm just like, wow, that's fast. I don't care. I mean, I do care to some extent. She's only fifth in the race, but I think that reflects two big pictures. Things we're talking about. Times are completely different. We pointed it out the week the week that was in both. Men's and women's 5,000 meters are really seeing it this year. But like, you know, what would be essentially, um, I don't have a stat right in front of me, but like you could be top five in the world this year and you'd have been top five all time in the world almost before this year. The s- second thing is like, I don't know if it's the shoes, the pacing combination, but I mean, it's a different ball game. I mean, Ellie Hint, 1447, pretty good run for her. She's, 28 seconds behind Hennis. Joe said Andrews. She's the only person they always see actually. I would thought this was going to be a breakout year for her because everyone's done so well in that group except for her. Over 15 minutes. It's like, what about, forget about What it. about Sage Herta Klecker? She's basically relegated to being a rabbit in Europe these days. What? I mean, Sage Herta Klecker didn't run well on Sunday, but the Diamond League before that, she ran 158.0. Joe said Andrew's season has been shockingly bad for me. I thought she was really going to make a breakout. And I don't know. Herta Klecker has been disappointing for me. But Monson, look, it's amazing. But it's also amazing that she hasn't won USAs. But oh, two two big thoughts about this race. One, is it possible Safana San doesn't even medal? That's crazy to think about. She's third in this race. You put Kip Yegon in there. That mucks her back down to fourth. But again, in that type of race, are they just going to cede the victory to Kip Yegon? If I'm Hassan, I, I, I'm surprised Hassan wants to push the pace. You'd think to me she'd want to just outkick these women. Isn't she the former 1500 meter star? 
I guess Sagay's got better speed than her at this stage. God, that's tough. And speaking of not meddling, intern Alex said in my ear, hey, Robert, you're forgetting about G'day, who's pretty darn good at this event too. So I think we need to write an article about this. There's a number of distance events. God, it may be all of them except for the steeples where we list enough let's come up with a list of who are the gold medal contenders legitimate gold medal people like you could see them winning the gold medal and i i guarantee in most of these events it's going to be more than the number of people that are going to medal right maybe even make the final in some of these events well, we're setting ourselves up for failure with this article like that, Robert, because then when someone comes out of nowhere and wins it, we're going to be like, damn, we said this person, they didn't even have a chance at meddling. But I guess that's what, that's the fun part, right? I would like to actually do that every year, come up with stats like that. I, mean, I guess it happens in some of the sprints, like the men's 100. There's a ton of gold medal people, and a lot of them won't even end up meddling at all. But it just it's fun when there's so many good people. It is. I'm, I'm glad at least when I did my 1500 preview at Worlds last year, I did at least mention Jake Whiteman as like one of the five guys who could win the gold medal. So I was like, okay, I didn't look like a total idiot there. But like there are people like Ramel Guliev in 2017 when he won the 200 or Phyllis Francis winning the 400. I mean, we sometimes you get some random ass people winning. So, but yeah, nice, nice idea. But my, my question for you, John, is. Monson ran great. She's got three American records, but she doesn't have a kick. I mean, she got beat by seven seconds on this last lap. I, mean, I guess she was barely hanging on. I mean, there was interesting thread on Let's Run. Like, how does Monson run 14-19 when she can only run 8-25 for 3,000? Like, most guys that run 8-25 for 3,000 don't go out and run 14-19. But who has the better medal odds, her or Elise Cranny? We haven't talked about Elise Cranny, but at the Monaco Diamond League on Thursday? Friday. On Friday, she and Nikki Hiltz both broke Mary Slaney's old American female record. Both ran 4.16. Hiltz actually split. Cranny was ahead at 1,500. It was like 3.58 to 3.59. That was actually the first time that Hiltz has been under four flat for 1500 meters. They both run great. But to me, it's just amazing that the American, that the 5,000 and 10,000 winner is a almost beating the U S champ in the 1500 and B breaking the mile record. So who has the better medal odds? I mean, this almost seems like a dumb question, like Monson or, or cranny, like it has to be cranny, right? She crushed Monson at USA's twice and she's got a way better kick. So, why wouldn't her metal odds be way higher than Monson's? Correct. You are right. It is cranny. And I don't think either of them have a particularly good chance at meddling because of all the talented women we just listed, like Sagai, Kipi Aegon, Hassan, G'day, Chibet. They're just on a different level. So it's kind of unfair to say, oh, they you know, should be in the metal conversation. But... What's the scenario for either of the meddling? Well, for Monson, it's 
the pace strings out and she's able to drop someone and doesn't have to outkick anyone. Well, we just saw in London, that's exactly how this race went and she ended up getting dropped and finished fifth. And then you're going to add in Kibiegon and potentially Hassan. Sorry. She's not going to win. She's not going to medal in a race where people are dropping everyone. What's the path to a medal for Cranny? The pace goes a little slower and she might be able to outkick someone for third. I think that's more likely happening. We have, you know, I think all of these other women, they can kick really well also. But Cranny just split 358 for 1500 in Monaco. That's basically a 357 1500 if she doesn't have to run the extra distance. That's not nothing, you know? Sagai's run 353, Hassan's run 351. I'm sure Beatrice Chebet could run well under four minutes. Kip Yegon's run 349 this year. I mean, I still don't give her much of a chance either, but I think when it, she does have a decent kick, and when it comes down to it, we have seen crazy things happen. You know, Emily Infeld meddled. That's the scenario. I see that scenario is more likely to happen in the 5K or 10K than what Munson would need to medal. I think their best scenario for meddling is to have some of these, just a lot of these people not end up the, in the events. Like... Hope some Sagay runs the 15, but she's probably still going to come back for the five. You know, I mean, uh, the, you know, Vanesti, I always say Vanesti Niangaba won the 1996 Olympic 5,000 meter title, and he was pretty good, but I don't think he wins if Geber Saucy doubles back. So you get it watered down a little bit in some of these events, and it makes a big difference because there's generally like four or five stars that the Americans aren't going to touch, and then they medal. I mean, I was trying to look back, like, how I. You know, how to carry Goucher medal in 2007 or infield. But carry Goucher, I mean, that was 16 years ago. We're, like, it's basically another generation of African development for women. I mean, Africa is still a male dominated society, but it was much more so, I'd say, back then. There was probably less runners, less professional groups. I mean, we're talking about the times. It's not just the shoes, it's also that, well, I mean, I don't want to act like Weldon's like, everyone's copying Weldon, but Weldon was living in Flagstaff. There was like two Americans in, in their training doing the high-low. We were doing it on a ragtag budget, sleeping in this car at the top of the mountain. Like, they had NAU there, but they weren't even going down low to the train. Now, like, everybody in the world is doing altitude camps. Everybody in the world seems to be in a top group with top coaching. So, but hey, Enfield, I mean, I was, I was looking to see who Enfield bait in 2000, 2015, so that wasn't that long ago. It's you know, halfway between Goucher and now. Vivian Cherry at one, Galetta Burke at second. Enfield Huddle, Sally Kipiego, Shailene Flanagan, Alamit Haru, Betsy Saina. I really don't see how either one of them medals. I think Robert's pointing out it's a different era. The United States, because of Title IX, the women here had like the opportunities in sport have been like way ahead of the rest of the world. But the rest of the world's catching up. You're seeing this in soccer now, but I think in track and field, and I guess you don't really need the rest of the world. You really just need like Kenya and Ethiopia to be like full-fledged in this, but they are now. And then you have like immigrants like Safan Hassan at such a high level. It's just, it's way more competitive. I mean, that was a, the other point I meant to make earlier, like what I was talking about the times. Sure, the times are faster, but also just the depth. It's, it's just a different ball game. I think... 
Robert's like, oh, you need somebody not to run it. Well, I think now if somebody doesn't run it, you probably still have somebody else. You know, I think maybe finishing what ends up in like fifth place now might have gotten you a medal a few years ago. And I think Cranny or Monson could finish fifth. But I say that yet, who almost won the Diamond League 3,000 meters last year? Alicia Monson almost won a race in Lausanne against a number of the best women in the world. So she's doing fabulously well. She's the American record holder at 3K, 5K, and 10K. Yet I can give you one runner skill set. Who would you rather be right now, Alicia Monson or Elise Cranny? I just like drop you in their body. I'm like, you can have the rest of their careers. Go. I think I take Cranny because I think it's easier to get stronger than it is to get a kick. A kick, I kind of feel like is more you have it or you don't type thing. So I think I'd probably go Cranny. I guess the one caveat is if you think a marathon, like maybe Monson's a better marathoner and there's a whole career and money in that. And like she, she could be the better marathoner. But true, true. I'm just. If I'm thinking just track, yeah, I don't really question it. Like, well, track's so hard. You have to be, you have to have be. Well, if everybody shows up, one of the top three people in the world. The marathon, there's six majors, and you know, not everyone's there. People get hurt much more likely. You know, I'm looking at 2016, 2015 infield medals. 2016. I mean, really, let's be honest. In 2015, Molly Huddle should have medal if she doesn't let up the line. 2016, Huddle goes to the Olympics. Probably runs the race of her life, honestly. 30-13 in the heat of Rio. No super shoes. And then only got her six because Ayana showed up. World record. Tiernes Baba came back into the, th- into the four. Got the bronze. Vivian Chiriot, Betsy Sena, Alice Aprop. So you know, there, there is some randomness to it. But the reality is... Oh, God. People are going to go mad, though, if I go on genetics. Robert, the inferiority of the white man, a white woman. But true or false, John, an American American has never meddled in the women's 5,000 at Worlds. The best true. finish is sixth. So that would be a good f- finish for her. Yes, it would. And as good as Galen Rupp was, he never meddled at Worlds in the 10,000. He did medal in the Olympics. Did Solinsky or Tegenkamp ever medal? Tegenkamp came very, very close. I think he was like 100th away or something uh, in 2007, but he did not medal. Zelensky did not come close to meddling. It's just a hard event for Americans to do well in. Now, we have we won the world titles with God, obviously. But he was beating, well, he was a world beater for another country before he even became an American. I mean, if you want to go like genetics, which I think, I don't know, I think it's, Jakob Ingebrigtsen blows a hole in a lot of your genetic arguments. So it's like, I will take the premise that American athletes have done pretty well. The women, we come close, but outside of a got pretty poorly. Or it's hard. I mean, Shalimo has three medals, but yes, it's look, women have. An American woman's never medaled in this event at Worlds or the Olympics, like we said. They've never finished higher than sixth. Anything sixth or better be a great run for either Monson or Cranny. One other thing I wanted to talk about this race, there was a thread on the message board, got a bunch of traction. The title was this, Monson proves that Shelby was clean when she ran 14.23. And I know there are a lot of people 
who were happy to see this record go to Alicia Monson because, again, the previous American record is currently serving a doping suspension. I've made my thoughts clear on this. I think Shelby got a raw deal. I tend to still believe her, but many, many people don't. So there's a lot of rejoicing in this. But then this theory came out. This person says, I believe that Shelby didn't start doping until after the 2019 World Championships when she ran the race of her life and still got crushed. Today's run by Monson validates my belief. If Monson can run 14-19 while clean, that makes it more likely that Shelby was clean when she ran 14-23. I have some issues with this argument, but Robert, what do you make of it? When I saw the thread, the title, I loved it. When I clicked on it, I was basically thinking similar things. But when I clicked on it, I didn't like the thought process and what they were saying about it. But my argument would be, look, Monson's run proves that an American, well, assuming you believe Monson's clean, which I do, proves that an Amer- A, an American can run super fast in the 5,000. 14-19. So A, it's possible to do it without drugs. And then B, it, 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 it destroys the biggest argument that so many people make about Shelby Houlihan. I mean, the obvious thing is she did test positive. So I mean, that's a big one. But once she tested positive, all these arguments of people like, oh, she's an obvious doper. Look at her improvement. It's just too drastic. And I'm like, it's not dr- too drastic at all. Look at all these other top Americans. How much did Shay- what did Shailene Flanagan run in, high- in college versus what she ran as a pro? Kara Goucher, all these people. Monson's 5,000-meter PB in college, do you guys know what it was? 30? Let me look it up just to make exactly sure. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say 1530. 1531.26. Now she's run 1419. So all the people who are saying it's obvious Shelby's a doper, I hope you're ob- you're going on now ahead of time. And just, we don't even need the positive test. Go out there and say it now. I'm being facetious when I say that, but like, and then the things about, like, oh, look at their body and them, and them flexing. I'm like, have you ever seen this the, the picture of Centrowitz? When he looked like a skeleton. Remember those photos? Like they're, they're completely cut. These people, when, when they're in the, they look like aliens when they're, in the, when they're in supreme shape if they take off their shirts. So I, I would have done the argument of like, she's improved a ton. It shows that it can be done, et cetera. I, I don't think the 2019 world, I didn't understand that. that well, that doesn't make any sense. She ran 354. At the 2019 Worlds, I don't. If you think she was a doper, you would. It's not like she was. She ran faster for the 5,000 in 2020. But if you think she was a doper, it would be silly to point that as a, a as the breaking point after the 2019 Worlds. It doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, I mean, to to me, I do think. I would say it, it increased my chances of thinking that Shelby's clean because yeah, another woman has run 14:19. Now, Shelby didn't have the super shoes when she ran 14.23, so you could still argue her performance is superior to what Munson ran. But and That's another reason to say Shelby's clean, because she had access to the super shoes, but she purposely didn't wear them in that race. She wanted to prove that she could do it without the super shoes. So if you're doping, I mean, it would be a very complicated way to, like, I'm going to try to trick them by wearing the old school shoes and whatnot. But... You know, that reminded me of the whole mechanical doping. I mean, all these groups, these Nike groups, Salazar, Schumacher's guys, they they were all happy to go into the 2016 Olympics 
mechanically dope in the marathon. So, like they knew their shoe was way better than everybody else. Maybe they didn't know how much better. But no, if you're going to make the argument about Hula and doping, it, it would have been for me after 20. I mean, this is a woman 2017 was only running. Well, she had a 403 PB and a 2017 403 15 flat. Two years later, she's 354, 14, 23. Or three years later. God, that actually does sound too drastic, John. Oh, my God. He's one of them. No, like, if, if, if you don't know, like, what his, how much people have historically Im- improved, and I don't know, like, yeah, m- men don't generally take a minute off their 5,000 PB. But we've seen a number of co- of NCAA women do it. Well, the other thing about Monson, her situation has changed. She didn't get to run her senior year outdoors because of COVID. She goes from sea level to altitude training. She's getting in fast races where she's targeting a super fast time. I mean, and she's got super shoes. So I, I think there are a number of things you can point to to that improvement. All right, one thing. We're getting close to an hour into the show. We haven't mentioned the fact that Faith Kip Yegon broke the world record in the mile in Monaco, apart from the very start of the show. Now, we did a big recap of this meet on Friday for our supporters club members, the Friday 15. You can sign up at letsrun.com slash subscribe and get the Founders Day discount, 50% off your first year. So if you want our full thoughts, you can check them out there. Right, the guy under the code GOAT50, under the code GOAT50. Goat 50. Do it this week, because this is going away. We should at least mention on the regular podcast that Faith Kibiegon ran 407 in Monaco. But I think when we talked about it on Friday, our reaction was, this was a phenomenal run by her, and people were freaking out. They're like, wow, she took five seconds off the world record. How is this possible? But if you compare it to what she ran in Florence for 1500 349 very similar performance it's just we don't see the women's mile run very much at the professional level at all especially targeting a world record from the off now i would call her season historic we use that term with munson i mean i guess munson's historically fast by an american but kid biagon's just been unreal from start to finish and i I don't know i was on the boards and someone there was saying look she's beating all these doped up Eastern European records and Chinese records. How can that be? <laughs> Some people were like, you know, do you remember when she won world cross country at 16 and barefoot? That To me, that's the type of people like, like I know my brother was able to improve a lot post-collegially at like the age of 27, but it makes sense to me when the prodigies are the ones getting the records. Usain Bolt was like an all-time talent at 16. Then he kind of struggled for a little bit. And then he, did it in the sprints. Yeah. I, this this will go down as one of those all-time years, Robert. That's three world records in 50 days. You know, we're going to be thinking about this similar to Henry Rono in 1978. Or uh, I think, Sep, what was Sepco's big year? 1981, when he was breaking all the records. It's phenomenal to break the 15 and the 5k in the same season. I, I'm interested. I wonder if she could take a shot at that 3k world record of 806 because that is one of the records that still belongs. I think it's, it might be the only one at this point that still belongs to the Mars army, the doped up Chinese athletes. 
the four, the four fastest times in history in the women's sorry the five fastest times in history in the women's three thousand meters came in the span of two days at a meet in Beijing in nineteen ninety three, uh, and two of them. Wang, this is the most ridiculous thing. Wang Junxia, who holds the world record, eight oh six point one one. The day before, she set the world record the day before by running 812.19. And then she comes back a day late in the prelims of this meet and then comes back and runs 806.11. It's just some of the most ridiculous, blatant doping in history. But could Faith Kip Yagon run 806? I mean, that one I feel like might be even harder than 349 or 1405. Yeah, everyone who says, oh, everybody's doping these days. Well, I don't buy it, but... They're clearly not doping like they were late 90s. I mean, that just shows when there's, if you just want to let women full-fledged dope, you'll get times much closer to men. It shows a huge difference between men and women in sport at the the top end. I mean, 806 is just sick. Does she even want to try to go for that one? Because does it limit her season if she misses it? I mean, it's, it's so far out there. I'd like to see the scoring tables. But when you just see a woman running 407, then I started seeing it on social media. Can't wait for the day of a sub four minute mile for a woman. <laughs> and I even thought that initially, but like, we're not even close. You know, it's like we're going to see a three, what, a sub 320 for the men or something soon? No way. Don't say it. It sounds like me saying we're never going to see a sub two marathon. They, well, die. fine. If they, if they take away all shoe restrictions, maybe... Somehow these genius shoe people finally figuring out the faster shoe, we didn't account for that. We figured they were already pretty good at their jobs, and turns out they weren't. For the record, John Kellogg saying 806 flat is like 14 flat. So I think we'll see a sub-14, so that's doable. I've got a picture of Henry Rono up on the wall on the side over here. Four world records he set. 3,000 3, steeple, 5 and 10. Can we get Yaka back in the, in, in the steeple? Like... He needs a new challenge. If he doubles up this year, we got another Worlds next year. No, we have the Olympics next year. Excuse me. Got to got to focus on that. I don't want him to add the steeple then. Twenty twenty five. Where are Worlds, John? Tokyo. Well, he'll probably want to go back and run the fifteen hundred there because that's where he won it. No, he should do. He should emulate Hassan. Hassan did her triple in Tokyo. We should have Jakob do the triple in Tokyo. This is all right. This is a problem. I'm putting out a PSA. Any aspiring super talents in the sport of track and field, don't run a steeplechase unless you really, really want to run the steeple. Because if you run one at any point in your life, Robert Johnson at some point is going to tell you you have to go back to the steeple. He did this with Jenny Simpson, the greatest American miler ever, for years, for most of her career, she was winning medals in the 1500. And now he's pleading for Jakob Ingebrigtsen to return to the steeple as he's blasting world records and winning Diamond Leagues. So stay out of the steeple unless you want Rojo to attach that to you permanently. Speaking of the steeple, a week or two ago, after I had signed off early, you and Weldon were talking about who could medal worlds besides the obvious people of like 800 people and Nagus. And, and well, the person that jumped out at me, I was like, Chrissy Gear, she's got a sick kick. She just ran like what was the time at USA's? Nine twelve. She ran nine twelve with a big kick. So if she can just get down to like nine oh five shape and have that same kick, 
these women aren't running fast. And then since then, I'm like, what a good thing I wasn't on air to say that, although I'm admitting to it now, just the thought. Like, she's been terrible in Europe. Failed to break 925. I think she ran a 415, 1500. And then there are, like, some teenager running, like, 857 or something. All right, so speaking of chances meddling at Worlds, we were going to discuss among the American middle distance athletes or distance, 800 and up, who has a shot, you know, a realistic shot where you're like, oh, it wouldn't be take a miracle for them to do something. I think we all agree a thing, though, is the very obvious choice, the strongest possibility to win a medal. We talked about Nagus. He's a clear number two. But I wanted to go through the other events and see, is there anyone, you know, you, you know, do we really think any of the other athletes has a shot to medal? So let's start women's 800. Nia Aikens, Raven Rogers. I mean, Rogers has medaled in two of the last three championships. Nia Aikens has looked brilliant, but the top of the women's 800 between Mo Hodgkinson and Marah, I think is really hard to break. Gemma Riki just returned and ran 157.3. She looked great in London. I don't know. I feel like it's a little disrespectful to say Raven Rogers it would take a miracle, but she just hasn't been as good this year. And the top three is so strong. I don't know. Does she have a realistic, even an outside shot at meddling? I think it's outside now, John. But the shot is there. It's Raven Rogers, pretty much every year, you sort of discount her early season times and then she's like, you know, wins NCAs or gets a medal. But that didn't happen last year. I think she's not as good this year as she was last year. So I think that party's ending. I think she needs to put it together for the whole season. I think she's still got a, a, the potential for a really bright future. So who do I think will do better at Worlds? Right now, I think Mia Aiken's upside's bigger for this year. Look, I'm not going to go event by event every athlete. This is going to take too long. But of course, Mia Aiken has a shot at Worlds for a medal. Do I think it's a great shot? No, but it's legitimate. Raven could. But if one of the big three falls or gets popped for, for doping or gets COVID or someone's going to medal, I mean, have, have you guys seen? We, we don't even know what Mia Aiken is capable of. Like, She's run one, two, three, four, eight hundreds this year, and she's won them all. USA Indoors, Portland Track Festival. I mean, she's run a bunch of minor league meets, but she's run, got a great kick. I know her PB is only 158, 78, but that was in Memphis. What, what is this girl capable of if she gets in a fast one? Right. Sage Hoda Klecker just ran 158.0. And Nia Aikens is better than Sage Hoda Klecker right now. So I think she could run 157 in one of these races. And if she does, you know, yeah, you're in the conversation if one of the big ones falters. Men's 800, I mean, it's not a great shot, but that event is so wide open at the moment. I mean, Bryce Hubble just ran 143 in Monaco. He clearly has a shot. Clayton Murphy did not run that well, but he has made three finals at the world stage. He knows how to make it through the rounds. And I think if he makes the final, he's got at least a shot to medal. Isaiah Harris. I, I know he beat Murphy at USA. So I don't give him a great shot to medal, but 
if any of them make the final, they will have at least a, a shot to medal in that event, right? You make the final, the 100, yeah, anything goes. I mean, it's, it's the hardest distance final to make because they only take eight to the final. So almost by definition, the 800 is just about getting in that final. It's very hard to go from the semis where they have 24 people to eight in the final. Moving up to the 15. One, one last thing about that eight. I mean, we, it's just the lack of consistency. I mean, the world leader is Wyclef Kimenyamal, who won't be at Worlds. But he won in Monaco. He was fourth at the Kenyan Trials. We had not been giving enough love to Manuel Wonyoni. I mean, this is a teenager who was undefeated, who was run 143-27, won the Kenyan Trials. But he didn't look good in, in Monaco. So it's not like it's terrible, but it's just guys were running well in one week and then not so well the next week. And, you know, Max Bergen's coming on, but it sounds like he missed a lot of training, as he always does, because he's always hurt. So anyways. Moving up to the 15, Nagus, clear medal threat. We discussed Hawker earlier. If he makes the final and tries to snipe some people down at the end, I think outside shot, though it's going to be difficult. Joe Wascom, I love the Moxie. And I know he, he moved up on Yard and Goose. I just think you need to be in like 329 shape or something to do that against Jakob at Worlds, and he's not there quite yet. If so. it was a normal tactical world, I would I would think Hawker and Waskin would both have nice chances because you know Waskin would make a big move at some point to put himself in it. Yeah, Hawker's got a sick kick, but by the way, the race Hawker, is run. Katir, if Katir ends up in the fifteen, which I assume he would do, you have Katir, Nagus, and Bingerbits uh, uh, all in shape. Yeah, very hard to break that up on the women's side. Kipyegon is essentially untouchable, and then. With Gudov Sagai looking like she's going to be doing the 5K, 10K, that's what I'm hearing, and probably Safan Hassan doing the same, you're looking at that crew of Ethiopian women. So, Hiret Meshesha, Boka Hailam, Dureba Walteji, Wagnesh Masel, uh, for Wayne Hailu, who just ran 4.16 in Monaco. It's probably going to come from that group, but maybe Laura Muir gets back to speed. You know, she ran decently. She was fourth in Monaco. Kara McGeehan of Ireland was second. Nikki Hiltz was sixth in that race. They were two seconds back, a little under two seconds back of McGeehan. I don't think... I'm looking at... You know, I think they could, could medal. I think it would take a huge race, but kind of comes down, can all those Ethiopians deliver? I think the Ethiopians in a fast race are fitter, but if it comes down to a kick, I was impressed by... I mean, Nikki Hiltz outkicked the Olympic 800-meter champion at USA. So if it's a bit of a slower race of Worlds, I would give them a chance. I don't think Corey McGee or St. Clair Johnson has much of a can, chance. Can you stop trying to prove your wokeness by saying they and just say Hiltz? It's, a lot, it's very hard confusing to you when you say they to me. I feel like you're talking about all of the Americans and not Hiltz. I'm not trying to be a jackass. This I'm is... not trying to prove my wokeness. I'm just trying to use the correct pronoun, Robert. It's amazing how y'all can do it. Like it's just, it takes some effort. I'm not going to lie, but if you want to call them hills, Hilt has a great kick. Do that. Great kick. If I'm Hassan, I want a medal. I think I run the 15. Does she even have the qualifier for the 15? Like, I, yes, I just, she does. Kipiagan gold. If Sagay runs it, clearly silver. But she may not run it. 
If I'm saying, yeah, I think I go 15. Why wouldn't you go 15 5 again? I don't know because you're probably not going to win. So maybe you go for 10 5. Okay, I see that. But I, I don't have a lot of faith. I don't know. I don't know enough about these Ethiopians. Aren't they all young? Born in 2001, 2016, 2002. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in them in terms of tactics. And I don't know. It's probably just a time trial, but they could get it wrong. They go out too hard. They tie up. Hilts could nip them at the line. Possible. I mean, well, for Wayne Hilo, she went out super hard and Kira McGeehan reeled her in. Uh, so that certainly could happen. And Kira McGeehan, remember, this is the woman that last year skipped Worlds just completely to get ready for Commonwealths and Europeans. And she did run 356 in the year. I mean, she's been running great, but... Oh, wait. Are people lobbing drug accusations at her? This woman's Kira never McGeehan? broken... 401, she breaks out at age 30? I'm sure there were people at the time who were lobbing those accusations. I mean, come on, let's run, Robert. I mean, we can hand Faith Kipiega on the gold. There's no other Kenyan star, so then it's like these three young Ethiopians. They're on their A-game game over, but there's rounds. That's, That's another equation. Could Nikki beat... Some of the Ethiopians, Laura Muir. Laura Muir's a little off her game, it seems to me, this year. Linda Hall. Linden Hall. Um, Jess Hall. Or Sierra McGeehan. I think Nikki could beat some of them, but all of them, everybody having an off day, probably not. Nikki was six in this race for a reason, right? Right. There was a one-second gap. To Hull. But, I think on I would rank Nikki behind McGeehan, Muir, Hull, but I don't think it's totally outrageous that they could be in the conversation. Nikki's trajectory is definitely in the right direction this year. Keeps getting better. So the possibilities there. Yeah. All right. Men's steeple, none of them have a shot. Sorry, guys. Women's steeple. No, it's, it's a weird event. I mean, Robert, here's the thing. No, you're just saying flat no. I mean, the the issue with this event is the very best athletes. Jacqueline Shepkowicz is 19 years old. Sembo Alemeu, who is the number two in the world this year, is 18 years old. But yeah, I'm looking at these other ones. Beatrice Shepkowicz is starting to find her form again. Winfred Yavi's run 904. There's just a lot of. There are six women who've run in the nine O's. This year, no American has come particularly close to that. You're talking about these young people, but they've given me no indication that they're that they're not getting. I said that I didn't trust the 1500 meter Ethiopian women, so because they're young and rounds. But these steeplechasers have given me no indication not to trust them. I mean, Jacqueline Shepkowicz, 19, she was seventh in the first Diamond League, then third, second, second at the Kenyan Trials, and now she runs 857 and wins in London, and then the Ethiopian. Who's 18 has gone second, first, second, three diamond leagues, 905, 9 flat, 906. Now, 906, when I was seeing that get be up there, I was like, couldn't Coburn run that? But I'm just like, nah, I, I mean, there's only six women under 910. I guess I, I think you could meddle with a low, with like a 905 or a 903. I wouldn't be shocked with that. The problem is Emma Coburn hasn't, I mean, Emma Coburn hasn't shown anything that she can get to that level recently. Chrissy Gear 
nine twelve? Can she make another big jump that would require another huge jump? And Courtney Wayman, she's run nine eleven, but she wasn't particularly close in this race in Monaco. Oh, sorry, London on Sunday. So it's hard to me to make a case for any of these Americans meddling. Well, for the top three, I'll run the around seat- the wrong barrier and don't do the water jump, John. Okay. Yeah. I was about to go there, essentially. The Steebles has been the craziest event. If you told me Emma Coburn's going to win the 2019 World, someone's going to run the wrong side of the first water jump, I'd be like, no. Or Courtney Ferdix will be winning the Olympics at the Bell, have a gap on the field, I'd be like, no. So we've seen crazy shit happen, but they're not running that uh, that well this year. Like this event, the Americans aren't running as well. There's a gap. There's not the depth. The 1500, Mickey's running pretty well, but I think there's a little more depth in front. 5K, I don't, we just talked, we don't think Cranny or Monson are realistic medalists because of how tough the event is. I could see Abdelhamid Noor meddling. I could see Paul Chalimo meddling. Chalimo's meddled in the past. Noor was brilliant in the USA's. I think both of those guys have a shot. Sorry, Sean McGordy, I'm saying probably not. John, wait. If we're going to talk about depth, this is the year of the 5,000. We have Jakob in this thing, too. We have the Kenyans, or mainly the Ethiopians, running so ridiculously fast. Like, are we just viewing it? Because, like, is this a male-female thing? We're just like, oh, these guys have a shot. And we're latching on to them having a shot, but the shot really probably isn't that good. I don't know, man. I mean, historically, when you're the best American, you do have a decent shot to medal at the Worlds. Last year, Grant Fisher was in medal position with 100 meters to go in this race. Luis Grijalva got fourth. Do I think Luis Grijalva is that much better than Abdihamid Noor? No, I don't. I I think you guys are underrating Abdihamid Noor. Like, he would... Come on, he'd run well under 13 minutes if you threw him that race in Florence at his current fitness. And is he one of these 1240 low guys like we're seeing all the Ethiopians right now? No, but is what are the chances that it's going to be a 1240 race at Worlds? Maybe if Aragawi pushes it, but I see this being more like Florence in June, where it was like a 1252 winning time. There are a bunch of guys kicking it out in the final lap, and Abdi Hamid Noor, that's not going to be fast enough to drop him. He could absolutely be one of those guys. I, I think a medal is not a real unrealistic possibility for him or for Paul Chalimo, given what he's done in previous champs. It's amazing if they do it. 1240, 1241, 1241, 1241. I mean, there's a 1242 guy that's not going to go to Worlds. You're going to have six guys at 12.45 or better, plus, hell, seven guys at 12.46 or better, plus Ingebrigtsen. But you nailed it, John. If Grijalva was fourth last year, I guess it's possible. I just Chilimo doesn't do well on a fast pace, and why wouldn't they? Uh, who's going to push the pace, though? Maybe they just give the gold to Ingebrigtsen. And if, if, if it's a kicker's race, definitely they have a good shot. So I'm not going to rule it out. And by the way, I know you'll know this, John. Intern Alex or Weldon, I'll send you $5 in Venmo if you know who got third place in the world's men's 5,000 last year. You have 10 seconds. 10 seconds, Oscar Chalimo of Uganda. Wow. Boom. John, did he look that up or did he think he knew that? 
Well, Alex, did you look that up recently? You said you were something to that effect. Oscar Chalimo recently raced in Europe in, in a 3K, and he placed sixth. And I looked and I looked him up because I, I knew that he placed third in the world. And then I realized he's only 20 years old. And he, he looks like he's 28. And I was like, I didn't know this guy's 20 years old. So he, he's 21 now, and he medaled when he was 20 years old. It's crazy. I think it was like 1310. You are correct. I'll send you the $5. I don't know what's up with Cholimo because I noticed this too in race results weekly. July 20th, he made his track debut for the year. Ran in Lucerne. He was 744, sixth place in some tiny 3,000. He ran a road 5K in February, 1332, and then a couple road races before that. So maybe he's been hurt. Here's my other case for Abdelhamid Noor meddling. I mean, watch the race at USA's. That race, okay, it was slower than last year's world final. Last year it was 1309 winning time. USA's was only 1324, but pretty similar close to what it would have taken to medal. He closed in 221, 53 lost lap. You can do that at the end of a championship race. That, to me, shows medal ability. And Chalimo basically did the same thing. I think Chalimo might have been even faster because he was running from slightly further behind. But, yeah, it might be a bit faster, but that, to me, is like he's in the conversation. Yeah, and the numbers game maybe isn't as bad as I thought. You have three Ethiopians. You've got Jacob Krop, Katir. I'm slanting all those guys, so that's five people. Ingerbritsen's six. But a couple guys will be doubling back. Are all the Ethiopians going to hang on? If they really go for the pace, then people could really blow up. It'll be hot. There'll be rounds. Sure didn't expect Luis Grijalva to get fourth last year. This year, the times are faster, so it maybe just seems a little harder, but it's pretty much the same crop of guys. Yeah. 10K women, I don't think... Either of them has a shot, given what we said. I think the if you're looking for a watered-down event, that one might be a little watered-down uh, compared to the women's 5K, but I think it's still going to be tough between G'day and Sagai, potentially Hassan. You know, I just don't see the Americans beating them. Men's side, I could see Kincaid meddling. If, it go, if, he's, if he's there at the bell, I mean, the problem is he might get dropped. I, I could certainly see that. But... I, I think he has a chance. He's been no. very good this year. No? Actually, I like John's thinking. Woody Kincaid. This was the year of the Woody Kincaid. It was all set up so perfectly. And he completely bombed at that 5,000 USAs. I was like, dude, this is disappointing. You had a chance to sort of assert yourself as like the alpha male distance runner in America. But that guy's got a sick kick. 10K if he's anywhere close. I, I can see that scenario happening, right? Like, that doesn't sound like the world's craziest scenario to me. I don't even know who the names are or the... Yeah, it's just that could easily happen. The heat, it comes down to the final mile, put him there, I give him a chance. Are you guys insane? He's going to hang with Caplimo, Cheptegei, Aragawi, Berega. Wait, 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 wait. If Aragawi just runs the 10, forget about it. I'll just go there right there because he will blast this thing open. Chapter guy will go with him and ball game over. So 
Yes. I will, if, I will almost want to condition it on that because I probably check the guy has incentive to, to really push it from way out. But somehow, could there be a way? What's the order of events at, at Worlds this year, actually? I assume the 10's always first. Yeah, the 10's first. It's on day two. Yeah, I agree with you, Weldon. If Aragawi or Cheptegayo Kiplimo, if one of them's blasts it and makes it sub-27 race, I think in a World Championship final in the heat, Woody probably gets dropped. But I can see another scenario playing out, and if that other scenario plays out, Woody has a shot. So that's why I'm saying he has a chance. And the other final distance event is the marathon. Kira D'Amato has a shot to medal in this race. None of the other Americans do, but she just set an American record in the half marathon. She was eighth last year, but really hadn't been training for that event at all. Kira D'Amato could medal in the marathon, world championship marathon, crazy sort of things happen. Amy Cragg medaled in 2017. I think Kira D'Amato is probably about as good as Amy Cragg was back then. So... Well, Amy, I'm, let me give you some... Amy Craig won the Olympic marathon trials and then was... Where did she finish it? Well, she was in the top 10 at world. She might have been like ninth or something in the Olympic marathon. So Amy, Amy Craig, you got to give her some credit. I think Kira's times are faster because she has the super shoes. But yeah, Kira's got a, sh- a medal shot. By the way, do you guys know that Oscar Chalimo and Jacob Caplimo are Irish twins? I did know that they were brothers that has been brought up in the past yeah John Irish twins and brothers are different things well wait on Irish twins your brothers born your siblings born within the same calendar year just googled it technically it's within 12 months but they said it's loosely sometimes referred to people 12 13 14 months apart and so, well, why am I wrong? They, you are brothers. If, if you're Irish, all Irish twins are brothers, are they not? Yes, but just because you're brothers doesn't mean you're Irish twins. I thought it meant actually you had the same birthday to your part. My apologies for my ignorance. But Irish twins apparently was considered a slur to some Irish people. Our apologies to the Irish people out there. And our apologies to having person on, on the podcast. Oscar Trimo is apparently one year and 28 days younger. It's kind of interesting that he has the World Championship medal of 5,000. But Caplimo has been on the stage for so much longer. Like He was running so much faster. It's kind of interesting. Okay, a few more thoughts on the London Diamond League. We didn't talk about this 200. It was phenomenal. Noah Lyles runs 1947. 20-year-old Letzil Tobogo, just turned 20 last month, runs 19.50. He's up to number six all time. Zonel Hughes, kind of an afterthought in this race, the last 100, and he ran 19.73 British record. That's the fastest third-place time in history. So that was phenomenal. It made me really excited for the 200 at Worlds. I know Knighton got beat last week in Hungary, but he's still Arian Knighton superstar. So... I guess do we, Robert, seeing Let's Seal Tobogo run this time, he'd been known as a star at the 100. He won the world junior title last year in 9.91, world junior record while showboating the last 15. 
This year, he stepped up. He had run 1987 in the 200. Now he's run 19.50. I mean, as someone who has said Noah Lyles will never win an Olympic gold medal, you must be feeling even better after seeing this performance. That's exactly what I thought. Every distance result, I'm like, this is bad news for Grant Fisher. And I thought this, and I said, wow. Have we ever seen someone moving faster, significantly faster than Noah Lyles at the end of a 200? I, I can't remember it, Robert. That was wild. Like I only ended up 0.03 behind. It wasn't even that close. Like He was so far back. Like I never thought Lyles might lose. But then I thought, Lyles isn't winning an Olympic gold medal. I, I just thought Knighton or, or this guy's going to beat him next year. Give him another year. I, now, I keep saying that about Knighton. Knighton hasn't shown it this year, but super impressive because he was most known for the 100. Now he's bombing this 200. And then I thought, you know, maybe this is the bolt. Maybe this is, I mean, I guess he, he and Knighton could both be that. It's just like, are we selling Tobogo short? He, he's run, well, he had a great week. He almost won a hundred in, in in Monaco nine nine three. He was like one hundredth off. He was right there for the win. Two days later, nineteen fifty. Kidding? Yeah, it was phenomenal. The him putting coming back on Noah Lyles at the end of the race that was the most impressive part for me. But I, Robert, I think. Lyles just passes every test in the 200. I know he didn't win the Olympics in 2021. Every test except for the Olympics. Okay, I know. It was a rough year for him all around, though. He wasn't himself with COVID, with the depression. He was coming off medication. Like There are some things working against him. But all these young guns take their shots at him. Noah Lyles just keeps fending them off. Lyles were in 1947. He was incredible in this race. He timed his peak perfectly last year in Eugene. He's talking about the world record in Budapest, we're saying, oh, these guys, they're going to come for him. Well, we're now a year out from the Olympics. Noah Lyles just doesn't lose 200s. He's lost three in his whole professional career. One was his first one indoors, and he was 19. I don't even count that one because it was a joke race. The other one was to Michael Norman in Rome in 2019 when that was like peak Michael Norman, and then the Olympic final in 2021. I just think until Lyle, until one of these guys beats Lyles, I know Tobogo did come close, but Lyles is consistent. He's done it on the biggest stages of worlds, I guess. You know, he did falter at the Olympics. I don't know. I think I'm still sticking Lyles for the Olympics next year, but it'll be interesting. Like Tobogo, maybe Tobogo arrives is just like, okay, it's my event now, and he wins it in Budapest, but I think it's more likely Lyles does what he does did last year and just sends a message with like a 19-2 or some ridiculous time. I mean, when I saw the end of this one, I thought, I just immediately thought Bolt. This kid's super young. I mean, maybe I shouldn't rank him ahead of Knighton. I was so on the Knighton bandwagon last year. Knighton's been disappointing this year. But you know Noah Lyles is going to bring it into Worlds. There'll be some question mark about what Tobogo does. But that close? Oh, man. I mean, I guess Knighton runs, if Lyles runs... 19 lows, he's not getting beat, but otherwise, look out. I'm curious what Knighton's going to do. Yeah, it's going to be a fun event. Just a reminder on Knighton, Tobogo was freaking out 19.50 at 20. Aaron Knighton last year in 19.49 at 18. 
So with, these are two humongous talents. And obviously Noah Lyles is a big talent too. So this, this event's going to be a lot of fun. And isn't Tobogo training in the U.S. now? I'd love to know his coaching situation. I'm still upset he didn't go to Oregon like he said he was. Robert's still waiting for him to enroll. <laughs> yeah. he ra- I only think he's in the U.S. because he raced in Miramar, Florida on April 8th. Seemed like a weird place to race if you weren't in the U.S. training. But Noah Lyles is six years older than him, which is fascinating. And maybe did believe, though, that Noah Lyles actually did have COVID before USA's. I don't know why I was somewhat skeptical that he was making that up, just to explain his subpar 10 flap. John's like rolling his eyes. But what? you just think he, you get... think he just lies about having COVID. No, but when he's not on top of his game, we do get an excuse, don't we? I mean, I guess I guess a legitimate excuse is when he's not on top of his game. COVID and the antidepressants. Well, I mean, I guess for me, right? I didn't think he's lying, but I'm like, come on, dude! Like, COVID. It was like he's on his. I'm not trying to minimize COVID, but I'm like. I don't need to hear it. You're here running healthy. You want it. Let's go. Like, I guess the one interesting thing about 200, well, one of the many interesting things, but Lyles will have presumably all three rounds of the 100 in his legs before he goes to the 200. He's never done that at a global championships before. It's spread out enough that, well, looking at the men's 100 final is on day two. And then the 200 prelims. Oh, they actually get a few days gap here. 200 prelims on until day five. So I'm guessing. I'm I'm wondering if it would have any effect at all on him in the hundred in the 200 final. But I think that's two full rest days before the heats. And then the 200 final isn't until day seven. I would guess he's he'd probably be good to go by then. World is going to be hugely interesting for Lyles. And the hundred's wide open. I could easily see him not making the final. I can see him winning the thing, winning the two hundred, and then it's well, even more so than Tokyo. They hyped that guy up so much for Tokyo, and he was sort of like the big. It's not fair to call him public disappointment because I think they put too much expectations on him. But the hundred, two hundred doubles out there for the, out there for the taking. Yet at the same time. I could see him not making the final 100, not winning the 200. I don't see how he doesn't medal on the 200. I don't want to hear any excuses about Lyle's tired legs in the 200 because Tobogo, I presume, is going to do both. You know, Tobogo's finished second in the 200 World Juniors the last, each of the last two years. It's kind of interesting in the sprints. Like, I just, I'm wondering if Tobogo should be the 100 favorite. I know he didn't even win the Diamond League last year in the 100, but doesn't this, if, if you're good in the 200, doesn't mean you have, aren't you strong for the 100 rounds? No one's really shown themselves to be amazing in the 100 this year. This guy's what the confidence boost from running 1950 has got to be huge. But it's been an interesting week in the sense of Sherika Jackson and Shakari Richardson kind of been racing so much. They've been getting beat, going through the motions, sometimes pulling out of races. Sidney McLaughlin pulled out in Monaco. That wasn't a surprise. I still think it's a Shikari Shereka show, but some of these races, you don't know how hard people, I mean, when they run 1950 and 1947, you know they're going all out. But should I be concerned that Fred Curley ran 998 last year, last week, or 
we be concerned about Sherika Jackson last week? I wouldn't be so concerned about Sherika Jackson. She ran four races in eight days in four countries, and she won two of them and was pretty good in Poland. The only one that was really a disaster was London, and that one seemed like she kind of led up towards the end. I'm not worried about her. She's just she's think she's capitalizing on her earning potential. If you're an agent, let us know how much do you think she's making. Did she pull up? Like, did she get twenty five thousand dollars a race? Did she make a hundred grand last week? Like, I hope it was a lot. Okay, guys. One thing I also wanted to talk about London was the attendance. We had, according to the broadcast, there were fifty thousand fans at London Stadium. It looked it what didn't look sold out like they said, but it looked like there were a lot of fans there. The athletes were praising the atmosphere, and I saw a lot of people saying. Oh my God! Look, London can get fifty thousand, and we can't even get, you know, ten thousand for one day of USA's. And I, I felt that was a bit of an unfair comparison because London did a great job. I'm very impressed that they were able to do this. But there are some advantages that London has that Eugene does not. One, it's a major European city. It's also a lot. It's easy to get to on the train for a significant portion of people in England. Eugene is not the same. It's a lot harder to get there. And the other thing, I think we saw this in the Commonwealth Games last year, that the Brits, they just, they kind of are more interested in these international sports than Americans. Americans, I feel like, are more American-centric sports. And whereas the Brits, it's like, oh, I'll just, I'll do a day out to the London track meet. You know, I'll, I'll go to the capital, that sort of thing. I feel like it's not the case as much as Americans. But am I wrong? What do you guys think went into this? Yes, things are way easier to get to in England than they are in the U.S. because it's a much smaller country. But it just reminded me yet again, life's not fair. Max Siegel makes $3 million a year. We can't even put 10000 in Eugene. The Brits are putting 50000 into a stadium, and U.K. athletics is almost bankrupt. But John's making excuses about Eugene. Does he remember? He, he stepped away for a second. Well, but do you think, does he remember? There was a thing called the New York City Diamond League. It was in Randall's Island, and I know Randall's Island is a pain in the ass to get to in New York City, but we couldn't even sell that thing out. It's like 8,000 people or 10. It was, the attendance was so bad, they got rid of it, right, Weldon? Correct. This replaced but, essentially that New York Grand Prix this year. Second attempt at doing that. For that thing this year, there was a decent crowd, but it's like spectators in one side, it seats a few thousand, I bet, max. But 50,000, I mean, it was a fabulous meet. Because usually I think Monaco is the top Diamond League meet of the year. And I think I enjoyed London almost as much. Or maybe I had low expectations for London. I was very surprised. But we also had 51.45 from Femke Bull. That's Sydney McLaughlin territory. There's only been two times ever faster. 50.68. Wow, both times. Like, that's crazy. That's faster than the Olympic time. Yeah. It, Sydney's times last year at, at World, and the semis in the final were, were, excuse me, and USA's and then World's were, were the two faster times. That's crazy. Wish they were squaring off this year, but not going to happen. Why don't we have USA's in New York one year? I know it's a pain to get to Randall's Island, but just anything but Eugene. Like if you had the trials, if you actually had the trials in New York City, problem would not be hard at all. 
because there's so many people. I mean, that's the thing that London has. Like, how many people live within like a two-hour drive of London or train ride? How many people live within a two-hour train ride or drive of New York City? Four hours for train ride, you know, tons. You can build. You don't you, have you a stadium. Extra stands I mean, on the back side. That's not feasible, Robert. If you did the Olympic trials in New York City and marketed it right and had like a track, I think you could get like forty thousand people there for the trials some days. America eats up the Olympics and the trials, so be interesting to see what happens. You know, in LA, I assume we'll have the trials at the facility in LA. All right. I don't want the trials in LA in twenty twenty eight. We had the Atlanta trials in ninety six. It wasn't big. It was too big of a stadium. So move it around. Keep the Southern California people excited about track. People have a limited amount of money to spend on track. Well, speaking of money, before we talk about the Chicago Marathon, we have one more item here. This is close to intern Alex's heart. Andy Byer, the guy who unretired because of a Let's Run.com message board post, Steeplechaser, has now signed with On Running. There's a post here by intern Alex saying, Andy Byer signs on running, but why? Starts off saying, I just do not understand how people are signed to professional running. 33-year-old Andy Byer gets a contract over 20-year-old Eric Holt. Yes, Holt bombed in the U.S. final. It's not proven to be the caliber runner to be consistently making teams. But what is a 33-year-old Andy Byer going to add that Holt won't? Should I ask that before Alex? Chimes on here. What's he going to answer? He's going to. He's he's in the steeplechase. He has a legitimate shot of making the Olympic team. Eric Holt does not. Is that hard for you to understand, Alex? Do you think he has a legitimate shot of making the Olympic team next year? Well, considering he's never made the Olympic team, it would not. It would be a little bit surprising. But there's so many guys ahead of him in the steeplechase. Hillary Bohr. Mason Furlick, Kenneth Rooks, Duncan Hamilton, Bernard Keeter. I think the Olympic team is definitely going to be comprised of three of those five guys. Okay, well, let's get your boy Eric Holt here. Last time I checked, Andy Byer was ninth at USA's this year. Eric Holt was 12th. 12th. So please explain to me how Eric Holt is going to beat Cole Hawker, Jared Nagus, Joe Wascom, Nathan Green, Matthew Centrowitz. I mean, I'm leaving out names of people. I don't think he's going to beat them. But what I do think is that Eric Holt has proven on the domestic circuit, domestic level, to win races. And that, that was the second part of my message is that he, he there definitely is some value that companies place on the domestic circuit. Because all of these athletes, like Henry Wynn, Johnny Gregoric, Craig Angles, I mean, Craig Angles is different because before he, he, made, he made world teams, but athletes like that, Casey Comer, like, they're not going to make an Olympic team either, but they're still sponsored. And Eric Holt is beating them domestically. I'm not saying Holt and Bayer are direct or direct competition for each other in terms of signing a contract. What I'm saying is, how is this guy getting 
he's 33 years old and he's signing a contract, but 28-year-old Eric Holt isn't. Not from on, but from any 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 company. You made a previous, uh, we were talking about this previously off the podcast, and you made a point that I completely agree with, that Eric Holt's never, I, I agree with you that Eric Holt's probably never going to get a contract because of young guys like Nathan Green and Joe Wascom who are still in college, and other just budding 1,500-meter guys that these companies should be giving money to over Eric Holt. But then once I see something like this where a 33-year-old gets a contract, just it like it, tur- it turns my head. Well, a couple of things what? in defense of Andy Byron. I think one, some of it's an ego thing. I think that they do measure in Olympians. They won Olympians. I think Andy Byer has a shot. He, you know, he competed in, you know, 2019. Then he had COVID and whatnot, but he has no results from 2019 to 2023 in the steeple. So he came back this year in 825. This is a crazy stat I just found. You know who's the faster 1500 meter PB right now? Andy Byer. He's run 0.03 faster than Eric Holt, which is nuts. I mean, that was back in the day, but that was pre super shoes. So he's obviously got speed. Maybe he can regain his form. I mean, he did run 8-12 in 2019 and made the U.S. team. So that maybe the comeback, maybe he can make the team. Eric Holt's running great right now outside of USA's. He won Harry Jerome. He won the Sunset Tour this week. But he's got to get much faster to be in the contention, I think, for the Olympic team. He needs to drop like a 332 or something. Like, come on, man. But... Yeah, it's sort of interesting though. Why do people sponsor once you're not the college superstar and you're not making teams? It's like, why are almost any of these people sponsored? You can, each shoe company, I think, has different objectives. Look, I could get myself in a lot of trouble by just going through the list of all the US pros that I wouldn't be sponsoring, I wouldn't be paying a penny to. I think a lot of times what the shoe companies do doesn't make any sense. First of all, what does a contract mean? We have no idea if he's if he's got a legitimate contract, like seventy five thousand dollars a year, or is it just fifteen thousand dollars in travel? Or we don't know what that means. But um, by the way, I looked it up. Oscar Chalimo signed with On in April. I mean, he's a legitimate medalist at the world level. But why doesn't some shoe company, please, shoe executive, we need an official shoe of WatchRun.com. Instead of blowing fifty thousand dollars in some spares, never going to do anything. You could get. 80 million impressions every every day. I'll block all of our advertising from the last website. It doesn't make any sense from from PR standpoint. Like I think it's an ego thing for the shoes. They like to have the Olympians. They like to. I I, I don't know. This one does seem bizarre to me. Like also, you know, if you're going for actual following, like I don't know. It seems like get the wild card. Well, I guess they're both cool stories. One of them's retired. One of them was never any good to begin with, and that was pretty good. But. I don't know. When, when Walden was running, I didn't understand it. He was fourth in the country. And then Mike McManus, who's now the Hoka guy, said, like, it's a lot of it's based on your college because I'm like, that's unfair. But they figure if you're not a star in college, you're unlikely to be a star as a pro. Like, Weldon was kind of like Eric Holt. His top end was maybe make a U.S. team. Maybe. But even if he makes it, he might not even have the standard. So, life's not fair. Shoe execs. We need Kip run. Screw these big companies that don't sponsor us. We've had a, you know, a shoot company here or there for a month. No, we're not going for a month. I need a five-year deal through the 2028 Olympics. You can lock me down. And then we'll rig the algorithm on the Let's Run Shoe site so your shoe reviews are always at the top. That's a joke, people. By the way, we're about to launch our shoe review. We're going to have the Yelp for shoes soon. We've done it in the past. This time, we're not going away. Weldon was showing me some of the stuff, and it was really cool. The number, like you click on it, it says top rated shoe. 
and the top rated shoe. I don't want to give this brand free publicity, but the top rated shoe in our reviews so far was actually the shoe that both my college, both of my college roommates were at the birthday celebration were wearing. One's a 338 former 1500 meter runner. One was a 407 prep high school star. They're both wearing the same damn shoe. So I'm just saying these reviews are extremely accurate. Let's run.com slash shoes. All right, guys, let's wrap the show. It's Chicago Marathon Talk. I haven't even seen the list, but I heard about it right when we started got on the show. I'm going to take a victory lap because yeah, we're debating a few weeks ago, where's Kelton Kipton going? Is he going to go to Valencia? It's like, hell no, he's going to not going to Valencia. You guys know how the sport works? <laughs> the big names never race each other. Kipton's not going to race Cheptegai in his debut. I mean, Kipton probably would be happy to do it. I'm not sure Cheptegai wants it. I said he's most likely probably going to go to Chicago. And the Chicago Marathon entries are out today, John. Mr. Kipton's on it. Number one seed, Kelvin Kipton. Uh, will he be going for the world record? Will the world record still be 201.09 after Kipchoge runs Berlin? We'll see. But he's running Olympic bronze medalist Bashir Abdi, defending champ Benson Kipruto, 2021 champ Seifu Turo, Daniel Donacimento, who made the big effort in New York last year. And then from an American's perspective on the men's side, we'll start with the men's race, Galen Rupp and Connor Mance. And we were talking to Mance at USA's after he ran the 10K. He's like, yeah, I need to, I'm going for the Olympic standard. Like no American has the Olympic standard right now. None of them have a top five finish in a platinum label marathon during the qualifying window, which also counts as a standard. And if US wants to send a full team, I mean, they, they would have a chance to do that based on their world rankings, but you need to get world ranking points as well. And if other athletes from other countries start hitting the standards, suddenly there aren't going to be that many ranking spots available. So he's certainly going for a qualifying time. Galen Rupp, this is his first marathon since DNFing New York last year. Does he have anything left? It's going to be a very interesting barometer to see where we're at because those are two of the top guys you would think with a shot at the trials, which are only four months after this race, February 3rd, 2024. This was in October, 2023. Well, I'm excited about this one. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Kipchoge coming to Chicago before he was like a God on the global scene. Although Kipton's already run 201 twice. So that's exciting. I think it's a good move for Rupp. I mean, he's got one result all year. A, get paid. He and Kerry from Hesse are kind of buddies. B, just kind of force yourself to train a little bit. So just going all in on the trials. Same thing applies for Mance. I'm not worried about us not getting three people. Are you, John? Is that really a big concern? I wasn't before, but I don't know. We don't have the road to paris tool up right now but it is i mean if you see a bunch of other people running these time standards and other marathons this fall it could potentially be an issue i think the you americans will probably be okay especially because someone like scott farble his ranking is going to get bumped up as if he runs new york and runs well he'll have a decent world ranking man i think the problem is a lot of americans just haven't you know we haven't had the full marathon season so they haven't had the chance to bump their rankings up man's is probably going to be in the rankings quota 
I think the U.S. will be okay, but I'm more concerned than I was about a year ago. I'm not too worried about us getting not getting three because while Road to Paris isn't up, I'm looking at the world rankings. If you limit it to three per country, we have Fabo at 39, Mance at 44, McDonald at 58. And they're going to take 80. So, I mean, I know people will have the standard, but most people with the standard are going to be world ranked high enough anyways. So, I guess it would be helpful if a couple of these other guys like McDonald and them make sure that they're ranking is decent from an American perspective. I think it makes sense for Rupp to do Chicago. He always does Chicago. Good history there. Try to get in a good time. I mean, getting kipped him. He's the best marathon in the world right now in my book. Chicago course in the past, we've had world records. I'm not ruling this one out. I would have loved to see him square off versus Kipchoge or Cheptegei, but am I more excited about, Kipchoge in Berlin or Cheptegei in Valencia or Kiptum in Chicago? Yeah, it's Kiptum in Chicago. I mean, just if it's a one-off guy versus the clock, I think he's the best right now. So for the world record go, yes. In terms of women? Well, the, the, the big thing is well, already, it's the, the big thing is the weather. We don't, we don't have anything about the weather. The weather in Chicago isn't as consistent. It's a little bit windy sometimes. But by the way, the, the, the other Americans, I hadn't seen the full field. So these other guys that are pretty high in the world rankings are also running this meet. Matt McDonald, you know, the, the, those types of people. So Frank Laura, so that's good. But we'll have enough people in the rankings. We're going to get three in. Not worried about that. We haven't talked about the, about the women's field, I don't think, at all. It's got Ruth Chepengedis, Jocelyn Jepkoskai, Genzebe Dababa, Sutumaman Kebebe, Emily Sisson, Safan Hassan. Tidzis Gurma. I mean, shit, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven women under 219. That's got to be the easily the best Chicago field in history in terms of, you know, fastest women, I, I guess. And there's a number of Americans, too, besides Sisson. We've got Alephine Tulmuk, Nell Rojas, Des Linden, Emma Bates, and Molly Seidel. So, I mean, this is almost like a mini trials. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that all the U.S. women are here. They got to run some way. Would you rather run Chicago, which is four months out from the Olympic trials, or New York, which is less than three? I think you would take that extra month to recover, right? Well, you mentioned earlier, like, Fable in New York. If I'm Fable, hell no, I'm not going to New York. Unless I want the money and just admitting that I'm never going to be an Olympian. Like I've said repeatedly, he's never going to be an Olympian. So maybe he's finally agreed with Robert and just said, you know, I'm going to get paid. Maybe he won't run at all. I, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly. You what know, I, I guess it's not that surprising. Like, ba- I mean, look, we 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 knew him. Ba- we knew we knew System was going to run. Right, we knew she was going to do this. I mean, it just made sense. Like, she wasn't running in the spring marathon. Um, System had already been announced. She was the one who's already announced. The new addition here really is Molly Seidel and Emma Bates and crew. You know, Chicago had only previously announced that. Chep and Gittich. And I think Sisson were running. So all these other names were new. Molly Seidel was in the news this week. I mean, it's sort of crazy. This will now be, what, two years from her Olympic triumph. Really done nothing since then. There's so much promise and potential for her still. Like, But with the Olympics you know, being compressed to three years in between this year, just not as much time for like the down period, right? She, okay, she had one bad year. Okay, she's missing this year. Then it's like, wait, you got the trials 
the start of next year. There's just like no time. So for the second year in a row, she ran the Speed Goat 28K. I'm Molly Shapiro. She gets second place. And this was after she'd pulled out of the U.S. 6K championships. And everyone in Let's Run is sort of analyzing this, like, oh, she's not anemic. She said she's anemic, and what's going on? She, she, she gets so much attention. And she posted on Instagram, as a pro runner, I think the trick to preventing burnout is to do something a little bonkers once in a while. So with John's blessing as her coach and the ferritin levels getting back up, I hopped in the Speedgo 28K for a fun and extremely hard long run before starting the fall marathon build. It's days like this that make me remember how much fun I freaking love this sport and give me a lot more appreciation for the trail runners out there. Y'all are effing nuts. Heart is full, quads are trash, and mind is ready to hit the roads again hard. Now back to regular schedule programming and race announcements soon. And I guess that race announcement was Chicago. I like, you know, this just sets people apart in Let's Run because they're not used to it. It's so different. But Molly's, you know, shown her struggles, her mental struggles, her eating struggles. She's just very human and raw. So she's got to find what works. You have to enjoy this sport. I think it's great. She's having fun running three hours. But look, I'm not ruling the talent out. This woman's got an Olympic medal for a reason, NCAA champion for a reason, footlocker champion for a reason. But this is a big race for her, for me. Even if she bombs it, I'm still not totally rolling her out for Chicago, I mean, for the trials. But to be honest, I think it's over. If you're asking me, is she ever a factor in the U.S. scene, big-time factor? No. She's reminding me of Jordan say, or even Ryan Hall. Like, Ryan Hall had a long career with some great results. Jordan Hesse just it almost it was similar to Seidel in the sense that she was a prep phenom, had some struggles in college, but also some great success, and then some amazing success in the marathon. But Hesse's best marathon was her first marathon, 220-57, 2017 Chicago, third Third in Boston. Well, that was actually her second marathon. I apologize. Third in Boston that year, 223. Then third in Chicago, 220.57. Third in Boston, 2019. But 26th in the trials, 27th in Valencia, 34th in Boston. Her last three marathons, 237, 233, 241. I mean, Seidel hasn't bombed like that quite yet, but the times that she's running in these other races have been abysmal if her ferritin level is just kind of barely coming up i'm sorry she doesn't have enough time to get ready for chicago i i, I don't even know if you should be training for chicago unless your ferritin's already up like when, when we moved to flagstaff weldon you told me to get my ferritin tested i didn't know what it was and the range is like 20 to 300 and i was like 25 or 28 we called up dave martin rip he's an expert on ferritin help the USA Olympians and stuff. He's like, oh, you need to get on supplementation immediately. I probably wouldn't even go to altitude if I was you, unless it's over like 40, because it's going to go down. So if her ferritin level is not super high, how is she going to handle the stress of training for a marathon in altitude? 
well, I'll leave that to our coach and the professionals. I mean, maybe in the last 25 years, stuff has advanced. But related, if, I mean, if one, if she never runs really well at, at another level, she's still a legend for what she did in Tokyo. I mean, that was so out of nowhere. And then just sharing her stories and her battles. It's just like, she's been a great thing for the sport. Her personality moves the needle. I mean, I was, I was taking my son to the Children's Museum in Cape Cod, train museum. Some woman saw Let's Run Sherman was talking to me about Molly Seidel and how she was a big fan. This was not like a big track fan. She just knew, found it. She was watching the Olympics and loved Molly Seidel, like her personality. Like, I like people who beat to a different drummer, and it's kind of funny to like, hey, like when she enters under the name Molly Shapiro, is that a dig at her boyfriend? Like, hey, her boyfriend's last name is Shapiro. Is that, is that her way of saying, uh, Hey, buddy, it's time to pop the question. Kind of love it. But someone related to this, we probably should have a post or thread of the week every time. And there's some good threads this week. I'll just link to these. I'll, I'll save them and link to them because we don't have time to get into discussion of these. What a disaster. Name an event that has imploded worse than the men's 400. Points out that the first 43 run was 1968. Essentially, the guys are still running that, that time, what? 55 years later, that's crazy. Who would win an all-star 1,500-meter final between the last 12 Olympic champions in their prime? Why does Nagus dot, 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 in the first post say, swing his arms like a female Kenyan marathon runner? My big takeaway from that one is, dude, you get a very unconventional form and be a very good runner. Paula Radcliffe, you're Nagus, the female Kenyan marathon runners. Someone noted that on Shelby's 8K run that was so fast, posted to Estrava, on the map, there was a taco truck right nearby. And then finally, there's this thread, and it's related to Ali Ostrander, another runner who's had success, not at the level of Molly, but very NCAA level, made a world's team, and has sort of been very open with her struggles, some you know mental struggles, health struggles, or whatever it is. And the thread is titled, Alio says she's not okay, going through immense stress, but can't tell us why yet. The second post, which was removed, but I've now restored, said, I hope this comment doesn't get removed, but why would any coach willingly coach a head case? And 90% of the time, they're female. It seems like far more stress than it's worth. That got downloaded with sexist, so we removed it. But I've now restored it because the next poster this is the post of the week by G. Bohannon, a Supporters Club member. You'll get a free Let's Run.com shirt of his choice. Go to shop.letsrun.com to get yours today. And he's just got a good point. This thing got way upvoted. So I believe in allowing discussion. He says, I don't fault you for believing that 90% of head cases are female. After all, 90% of those who vocalize are indeed female. After all, they, meaning females, share their feelings better. How many dudes just totally flame out and never say loud that, quote, it was a mental thing? Probably shitloads. I've cooked both genders and think that the, quote, mental issues holding back athletes are evenly dispersed, to be honest. 220 upvotes, 11 downvotes. Just a good point. Men and women are different. Women are, are more likely to probably share what's going on, which I think is a good thing. 
So thank you, Molly. Thank you, Allie. Robert is a man person who's pretty much coached men only. Any thoughts? It's not true. The first person I ever coached was a pioneer in the women's steeplechase. Yeah, I think men are more likely to try to tough it out. Actually, that person that I coached to the mental to the U.S. Women's Steeplechase was a friend of mine in college, and she was seeing a some sort of therapist. And I was like, "You go to a therapist?" She's like, "Well, you have a running coach. A therapist is kind of like a life coach. What's wrong with that?" It's a very good point. And I'm going to share my feelings, folks. I'm getting old. Fortunately, I'm over forty now. And for some reason, there's a fifty percent off sale on Let's Run. Subscribe today. Become a Supporters Club member. You'll never see a deal better than this. New members, enter the code GOAT50 at checkout. Let's run.com slash subscribe. Until, I look forward to seeing all of you on Friday, on the Friday 15 bonus podcast, because I know you'll all sign up for the Supporters Club today. Supporters Club members, we'll be emailing you also. Coupon code to save 50% in the store. You want to save on the Let's Run shirts. Wait, Jonathan Galt has returned. John. The podcast is ending. This is the final words. What are your comments? Say something. Or intern Alex, any final comments? About anything? I thought like you were trumpeting my return as if like we're in the middle of some crazy discussion that only I can provide the answer to. If we're just saying goodbye to everyone, I'll say, hope you enjoyed the Diamond League. Enjoy the next couple of weeks because there's going to be a lot of action in Budapest. I assume we're doing nightly podcasts. Who knows how much we're going to be sleeping, but... It's going to be great. So I, I bring on world champs, baby. You can get your tickets. I still haven't even bought a ticket for world, a plane ticket. But at my birthday bash, I may have convinced a guy who's casual track fan. He may be flying over now as well. He's big in the javelin. He claims to sponsor some of the javelin team that's actually going to world. So we have I have friends who are javelin sponsors, but you can still buy go to Hungary pretty cheap and. Hungary versus Paris versus Tokyo. I think one is much cheaper than the others. Budapest should be great. Alex, when do you start school? Maybe Alex should fly over. September 4th. All right, supporters, co-members, we're sending your code 50% off in the store. See you guys Friday.